You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a PhD holding historian, a professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that makes legit, seriously researched American history come to life through entertaining stories. Join me for a chronological telling of the United States story, from the revolution to fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way from 1776 to the early 20th century. Listen to History That Doesn't Suck on Spotify. If you want to support the Redacted History Podcast further, consider going to the Patreon. You can find the link to the Patreon in the description below. Uvalde. Pulse, Aurora, Sandy Hook, Las Vegas, Orlando, Virginia Tech, San Bernardino, Columbine. The list goes on and on and on. The United States has many problems, but one of its biggest problems... You guessed it, guns. We live in a country where the right to own a gun, whether it's a pistol or military-grade rifle, is a right. A right that shall not be stripped away. You are entitled to a gun as much as you are entitled to breathe or to speak freely or practice the Christian religion. The gun problem in this country has clearly gotten out of control. But how did we get here? Is this a new phenomena? The short answer is no, but it's not completely for the reasons that you think. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's start at the beginning. It all started with the Second Amendment. I'm Andre, and this is the Redacted History Podcast. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. 27 words, 142 characters. That's the Second Amendment, arguably the most divisive and polarizing amendment established in the country's original Bill of Rights drafted over 230 years ago as America's founding fathers were lifting themselves from up under the oppressive grip of the British. Ironically enough, as they were leaving their oppressor, they were simultaneously oppressing a whole other race of people, African people, by way of the transatlantic slave trade, their property. Most modern-day Americans view the Second Amendment as a symbol of their freedom to carry firearms, big or small. Defend yourselves, defend your home. That's what the Founding Fathers intended when they ratified this amendment in 1791, right? Mm, sort of. In order to truly understand the Second Amendment, why it was created, and who it was created for, you have to put some context behind it. 
From the moment that the first Africans arrived on the shores of what would become the United States of America in 1619, they resented their bondage. Who wouldn't? And they resented the bondage before they even arrived here. They were treated like cattle on their treacherous and inhumane journey during their middle passage in the transatlantic slave trade. They resented their bondage and the white men in charge of them, and the country knew this. Everyone knew this. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and James Monroe, and every slave owner and overseer in this country knew this. During the Second Continental Congress, which was a meeting between delegates from the 13 colonies between 1775 and 1781, there was much discussion about the fact that the fight against the British was not going to be cheap, especially seen as that if they wanted to really hit them hard, there would have to be a fleet and naval defenses built to go up against the infamous Royal Fleet. So there was a plan proposed where there would be a wartime taxation plan in order to fund the fight. There were 2.5 million people all together in the 13 colonies, so each respective colony would pay based on their population. Easy, right? No. The southern states opposed this plan, seeing as how their populations were majority enslaved people. South Carolina objected the loudest. They said this taxation rationale was faulty. It was unfair. How could they tax based on slaves when slaves weren't people? The North wasn't counting their sheep as people, so why should the South count theirs? And Benjamin Franklin famously said, there was some difference between slaves and sheep, as sheep would never make a revolution. They were terrified. They could pretend that the enslaved people weren't people all they wanted, but the truth of the matter was simple. They were people, people who resented their chains and an uprising could happen any day now. The southern colonies, where slavery was objectively more brutal and inhumane, had spent a good portion of the 17th and 18th centuries putting measures in place to mitigate and stop slave rebellions before they could even start. Virginia, for instance, had measures in place that denied black people the right to bear arms, the right to defend themselves, and put in place a large-scale militia to put down any uprisings. And Virginians prohibited black people from carrying firearms as early as 1639. Even with all of these preventative measures, Virginia still experienced insurrection scares in 1687, 1709, 1710, 1722, and 1730. South Carolina had similar measures, yet they too were rocked by possible insurrections and one insurrection that actually happened. And this one scared every single white man in all 13 colonies. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In September 1739, 20 enslaved men from South Carolina were working on a labor gang building roads near the Stono River. And these men were plotting patiently. 
Each day while working, the men would survey the area and the overseers. Where would people go every day? From which road? How long did it take certain people to get from point A to point B? Where were the weapons stored? What was the terrain like? After a while, they felt they had all the intel they needed and it was time to strike. On Sunday, September 9, 1739, the men stormed the weapons storehouse, decapitated two white clerks, and took the weapons for themselves. The men then marched through the colony, getting other people to join them. What was once a band of 20 turned to a band of 90 men, and they marched through the South Carolina colony towards Florida, where the Spanish had a rule that allowed escaped slaves to be free once crossing over to Florida. The South Carolina militia was immediately sent after them, and the mission was clear as day. They could not allow these escaped slaves to reach Florida. That would be their worst fear. These slaves could rise up, kill white men, then take their freedom into their own hands. That could not happen. It took them a year, but the South Carolina militia eventually overwhelmed the rebels. But it was now time to set an example. They took about 50 of the rebels alive, and they were shot, hanged, and gibbeted. Some of them also had their heads cut off, which were then hung on posts miles apart to show other slaves what their fate would be should they get the idea to rise up. The Stono Rebellion would live in the minds of white people for the next half century, validating their fears that the slaves could rise up and take their freedoms back through any means necessary. And this would lead to a litany of more laws and legislations created by white people simply to repeal and take away the rights of black people. The Constitutional Convention took place from May 25th to September 17, 1787. The intention of many of the people there, including James Madison, who would go on to be the fourth president of the United States, was to create a new frame of government and not fix the existing one. And as important as drafting a new government was, the idea of slavery and potential slave uprisings was like the elephant in the room. One, because as previously mentioned, these white people were terrified. And two, by the time of this convention in 1787, many of the northern states had changed their outlooks and views on slavery completely. Massachusetts had eliminated slavery altogether, and Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania had instituted sunset clauses in their states. But the southern states, of course, had differing opinions. South Carolina was actually looking to replace a lot of the enslaved people who had either died or liberated themselves during the Revolutionary War. One of South Carolina's first governors, Rawlin Lowndes, said, quote, Negroes are our wealth, unquote. The northerners were there to create a viable and sustainable nation, and the southerners were there to improve and strengthen the institution of slavery, which would be a precursor to the Second Amendment's creation. The South was at the table with a list of demands. They wanted the North to make no impediment on the slave trade's existence. And South Carolina was doing a complete 180, saying that the enslaved population now should count for their state's headcount for legality reasons. The South wanted the power to call on the militia to expel slave insurrections and uprisings. I really hope you see where this is going. 
Patrick Henry, a Virginian war hero and nemesis of the man drafting the Constitution, James Madison, also argued that the federal government was fixing to have the power to call on a state's militia during wartime, and he was worried that during times that the militia was gone, there would be no one there to protect the people from the slaves. And then, what would keep a Congress dominated by Northerners from refusing to protect Southern states from slave uprisings? And the Southerners would eventually convince, or more so force, James Madison to draft a Bill of Rights. The Southerners wanted Madison to incorporate language into the Bill of Rights that would allow the militias to operate as a slave-controlled device. And without that promise, the Southern states would be out. So the Second Amendment, by and large, started out as a bribe, a bribe steeped in anti-blackness and white supremacy. James Madison, a slave owner himself, owner of over 100 black bodies in his lifetime, was not subscribing to the ferocity in which the southern states were acting in the hopes to protect the precious institution of slavery. But Madison knew that if there were to be a nation at all worth living in, he'd have to give in to the South's wanting to be protected from slave revolts. James Madison's first draft of the Second Amendment read like this. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, a well-armed and well-regulated militia being the best security of a free country. But no person religiously scrupulous of bearing arms shall be compelled to render military service in person. There was, of course, massive pushback on this draft because some thought the language around the militia was far too vague. And thus, the Second Amendment as we know it was redrafted, modified, and polished as was the rest of the Bill of Rights, which James Madison whittled down from 17 to 10. Historian Michael Waldman points out that while the other amendments point forward, the Second Amendment points backward. Pay close attention to the language of the improved Second Amendment, the one that we know today in 2023. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, you really have to pay attention to the language used in this amendment, a well-regulated militia. Remember, now to the southern states and what the northern states gave into was that a well-regulated militia was to be used as a slavery control device. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, a free state only of white men that are recognized. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The people, remember, the black people, the enslaved people, were not seen as people. So the Second Amendment, as we know it, was drafted and used as a proxy to control slaves. Hard stop. That's what it was created for. There's a reason that the Second Amendment looks so different than the other nine amendments in the Bill of Rights. But... The Second Amendment, after being approved, was ratified on December 15, 1791. The Second Amendment was merely a precursor to Congress and American lawmakers' continued effort in subjugating and restricting rights from the enslaved. The Second Amendment set a dangerous precedent that would lead to more laws whose sole actions were to punch down even harder on enslaved people. There was the Naturalization Act of 1790, which set in place to determine citizenship in the U.S. and who could be a citizen. Of course, the law stated that a citizen could only be a free white person, 
The Virginia Court of Appeals even made a ruling in 1806 that if a person appears to be a Negro, then that person is presumed to be a slave automatically. Among a list of the other racist laws that were meant to curtail the rights of black people, and like I said, the Second Amendment was merely a precursor to maintain control and stop uprisings. And what's the easiest way to uprise? With a gun. There have been times in the recent past when black men were allowed to serve in militias and the military and use guns, most notably when they were allowed to fight in the Revolutionary War. Now, them being able to do this was out of sheer reluctance. Black fighters, both free and enslaved, would make up about 4% of the American military. And naturally, most black members of the fight for freedom found that post-war life had no rewards. Many white Americans were uneasy with the ideas of African Americans being in militias, which meant that you owned a gun and guns meant uprisings. So Congress would go on to pass the Uniform Militia Act of 1792. This law required every able-bodied white man between 18 and 45 to join their state's militia. The entire reason that black men had to fight in the Revolutionary War anyway was because the white men fighting were dying so quickly. So this new federal law would make sure that if another war were to arise, that wouldn't be a problem again. This new law not only required these white men to serve in their militias, but it also required them to buy a gun. This was a nationwide act of self-defense because the enemy lived within. So if you have a law that requires white men to serve in militias and that militia serving requires them to buy a gun and militias exist because you know that they're meant to be a slavery control device. So between 1791 and 1792, we get the Second Amendment and we get the Uniform Militia Act. They go hand in hand. Today, in the year 2023, many Americans hold near and dear to their hearts their guns and the Second Amendment their right to bear arms. But a small trip through history and a little added context would show you that the Second Amendment wasn't created for Americans to be able to have guns and protect themselves in the way that you believe it was created for you to have guns and to protect yourself. It was created so that the Southern states could be appeased. That's it. It was a bribe steeped in anti-blackness and white supremacy so that the white men in the aristocracy didn't have to look over their shoulder so that they didn't have to worry about the black people in chains, breaking their chains and getting the revenge that everyone knew they deserved. So I leave you with this. Do we really want to govern ourselves by a law, an amendment that was written over 230 years ago by possibly the most evil men to ever live in this country? I'll let you answer that for yourselves. Until next time. If you like this episode of the Redacted History Podcast, consider leaving a rating and review. Truly goes a long way. Leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to and consider going over to the YouTube. You can find a link to that in the description below. I truly, truly, truly appreciate everyone's support. At the time of this recording, it's my 28th birthday. So uh, I feel really blessed and really grateful to be in this space doing what I love on the day that I was born. So peace. And I'll see you next time. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. 
Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.